Welcome to West of North London, where the intensity is going up. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. I, man, what a day we've had. <laughs> what a day. Yeah. What a week we've had. It's a, it feels like a kind of too extreme. So you know, we had an interesting podcast. I, uh, I, so much praise for Arsenal post the, uh, Burnley match. And then it seemed like in the aftermath of today's game, all the goodwill had dried up among the fan base. It was like <laughs> one one minute of of um, a letdown, and then the sky is falling. So we're we're here to we're here to sober everybody up and come back down to earth. I mean, I feel like uh, with most things, uh, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. You have to kind of uh, figure out the middle ground on this. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the sky is falling. At all. No, I definitely don't think the sky is falling at all. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's get to drinks of the week. What have you? Um, one of my friends gave me a beer today. It's from, what is it? Gold Dot Brewing, which is, I guess, like a, uh, a superhero brew company. It's people from... Uh, McMinimins and a couple other breweries that have left and created this brewery called Gold Dot. And it's a cold IPA called uh, Staggers and Jags. Hmm. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's uh, supposed to be very tasty. I will tell you right now. Yeah, it is fantastic huh. <laughs> on the first sip. It's a, I mean, cold IPAs are basically IPA lagers, so it's kind of where we meet it in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> sounds pretty good. I get into that. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to find where's the ABV on this somewhere. It will tell me. Uh oh, Jesus! I did not expect that ABV at seven point one. Nice. So. <laughs> There's that. Um, yeah, it's nice. It. I was going to say it's very light, drinkable, and has a little bit of hoppiness to it. But uh, Does it taste light? Yeah, I'm a little... It very it very much tastes light. Mm. This is going to be a dangerous little drink here. Interesting. I apologize for the end of this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to... I don't know if this is a hot take, but I find McMinniman's brews to be really hit and miss, and most of their IPAs are kind of trash. Well, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you on that to a, a certain extent. This is not a McMinimins brew. It's from uh, uh, McMinniville, Oregon. And it's a one of, it's basically a break off of a couple. And I wish I'd taken a picture of the uh, the brew sheet. This came with like a uh, bottle tasting. I was doing a tasting earlier and I took this home with me. And uh, it, it it is a superstar list of Oregon brewers that are brewing this beer. This one is fantastic. I, I would drink this. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, it's definitely not like a, a super malty IPA. There's basically no malt in this at all. It's just a very hoppy lager style mm -hmm. beer. Cool. Um. I went, I, I'm, I'm going to the last, um, the last toddy of the year, probably. 
Mm. Assuming that we are truly out of the winter weather after February. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Because maybe there might be some snow in the forecast next week. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll well, I mean, I think the, uh, the groundhog didn't see his shadow, which is good. Right. So spring is around the corner. I might not have another chance for another hot toddy. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing my favorite tea whiskey combo. Ooh. Um, this time going with a darker tea with a little hint mm-hmm. of orange flavor. It's actually pretty good. So the citrus is in the, in the tea rather than a real live citrus. I didn't have any on hand. So I figured I'd balance it out that way. And it, it turned out all right. Yeah. What's the uh, whiskey you're using? Uh, still uh, tapping into the Pendleton stash. Although I'm getting <laughs> low on that. So I'm going to have to re-up my, my whiskey here pretty soon. But uh, yeah, this is a, it's a good combination. I like the orange, the orange flavor with it. Yeah, I like I like the idea of using an orange instead of a lemon. Like, I, I I'm kind of here for that. It probably would taste really good with like a, a twist of orange, like mm-hmm. getting the orange peel and twisting it in there. Like that would just elevate it a little bit. Yeah, I I need to get some real citrus. Like, I, otherwise, I'm risking scurvy. Yeah, no. Every time I drink a. a Rainier, I always order or ask for a lemon with it because, you know, you want to prevent scurvy. Mm-hmm. But none of that blue moon garbage. None of that. No. That's not allowed. No. Uh, let's get to the Tim bit. I'm really curious about this one. I kind of <laughs> know where this is coming from, but I, w- I want to know where you're going with it. <laughs> so um, of the things I learned today, and it actually blew my mind, which is that our, our 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 defender Kivior is dating the twerk queen of 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 Europe, which I didn't know was a thing, and it blew my mind. And apparently, there is a a whole competition that happens in which someone is declared twerk queen of Europe, and <laughs> Kivior's lovely wife is the uh, twerk queen of Europe. And so I was wondering, who do you think would be the twerk king? of arsenal you know we saw some of uh the dance moves come out from uh um from Jorginho recently Mm -hmm. and i think we just saw the tip of the iceberg i think deep down he's got some twerking in him (laughs) yeah i mean i think the easy answer is it's got to be one of the brazilians or quasi brazilians (laughs) like you can't see odegaard as twerk king of arsenal it's 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 got to be uh, got to be one of the Brazilians, and Jorginho is, you know, half Brazilian. I was going for Gabriel. I think he's got the uh, the chops, as it were, to be a uh, to worker. Yeah, but, I could see that. I, I do. I do agree with the the uh, Brazilian contingent probably being the the key to this. No, because I mean, I, again, like Martinelli, I, do, I again doesn't quite have the body type, for lack of a better word, to be a a twerker. I can't see Sokka as it. Rice, no, no. So I'm, I'm I'm going with, but I do like Jorginho. That's a fun little like uh, uh, shout for that. Yeah, I think he's he's got a wild side underneath underneath it all. Yeah. I think we need to have video evidence of this. I think uh, <laughs> this should be a thing that uh, Arsenal does. Um, 
Now I'm, uh, you know, I didn't watch any videos of this, but I'm going to take your word, <laughs> your word for it. And it, there, there definitely is proof of this. Okay. It just blew my mind. Good, good for him. Yeah. I just say like, of, 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 yeah, of the uh, Arsenal players, I wouldn't have placed Kiviar as the person dating the Turk twerking queen of Europe. Is she, is she also Polish? I did not do enough research to learn about that. Okay. I did not want to go too down, far down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it feels wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I was at work. I didn't... <laughs> I did watch about uh, about 30 seconds of the video to establish that, yes, she can twerk, so... Now, I, I wonder, like, how much training this takes. I mean, is she, is she probably... Is she doing this, like, hours a day? You have to, right? I don't... I mean, it... it it, it does. I mean, it, it is dancing and it is very well done, well choreographed. Like it is a, 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 a thing that is happening. It's, it's skillful. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. Well, good for, good for her. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to her. Congratulations to everybody involved. I guess. <laughs> and congratulations to Georgina, the Turk King, twerk King. Of uh of Arsenal. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> As decided by us by no evidence. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna back away from this topic slowly. <laughs> well saving the video. <laughs> right. I'll circle back to this one later. Um anyway, so the uh the the, the team had plenty to dance about. I don't know. <laughs> Tried to try to. That I was tried. a great transition. Uh, <laughs> plenty to twerk about um, <laughs> on the weekend with the, the thumping that has is is starting to become um, a, a weekly tradition here. Um, but you know Burnley, I don't think anybody expected uh, they were going to put up much of a fight. But I also don't think it was necessarily expected that Arsenal were going to lay. Lay another five goal win, um, you know, and, and buff buff up their uh, their goal differential a little bit more. I mean, this it, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it, earlier in the year, it felt like we were not squeezing by, but it was just like you know, like your one one two goal differentials. But it seems like it's it's becoming a tradition now. Or a uh, a regularity that we're uh, you know scoring four or five goals on these teams, and it 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 feels like this is what we should be doing if we're uh, against these types of teams. This is I, I don't as much as the goal differential is a lot. You know, like five goal wins. I don't think it's unmerited. I think this is what we should be doing against this type of opposition. Yeah, I mean over the. Five games in 2024, they've looked like a, a new team. Like mm-hmm. they're, they just, it's the goal scoring is there. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Champions League and, and all that. Yeah. We're going to save that for later. That's a different animal, <laughs> though. As far as Premier League goes, they've been on, pretty, pretty unstoppable. Uh, well, I mean, it's, Go ahead. It's it's interesting because I think uh, a lot of people, have, uh, including myself, have uh, noted that we don't have really a noted striker that's scoring a lot of goals, which is 
not uh, common. But when you're getting goals from everywhere, everywhere, like we have the last three, four games, I don't think you necessarily need a striker. It's, it's coming from all over and it, it's a sign of a good team to, to be scoring goals from, you know, defenders, midfielders and wingers. Yeah, it, it's it, it with all the talk that there was about, oh, we need to go out in January and get get a real striker, get a true number nine in this team. It, it doesn't look like a team that is in need of a striker. And I wouldn't even say that was an issue today. I would say no. So, you know, I think that was that was the talk of, of a of fan base that was looking for answers more than anything. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard because like, obviously we're both fresh off of this game today and it's hard to look at this last weekend's game without putting it into perspective with today's game. Mm. But I, I, as you said, I don't think it is the lack of strikers. I think it was two different strategies that are, that are going forward. And I think with this strategy is our more ideal strategy. And especially, you know, when you're coming up against a team like Burnley in a one-off game, as opposed to a two-legged tie, I think that is what we're trying to do. We're we're able to defend very well and then just go forward and get goals from everywhere. And when you look at the tally of goal scorers and what happened in this Burnley game, it was goals from everywhere and we were able to sub out our uh, team basically by, you know, halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is a plus side to getting out ahead is really just giving rest to those those players that really could use it and typically we're you know when, when games are close we're having to play Saka way deep into games to you know keep the option alive and I'd much rather get those um those minutes uh on the bench where he can recover and be ready to go and um I think we can uh also boost our bench by giving giving some players that don't see time regularly some some meaningful minutes so there's definitely pluses plus sides to to going up and and dominating and really just the 21 goals over five games is just an unbelievable stat you know that's mm-hmm. definitely looks like we put the um we had put the goals goal scoring troubles behind us but um you know it, it we can't over we don't want to over celebrate. Obviously, that's that's a no no. Not allowed to do that, especially <laughs> no. especially against the Burnley. Um, but I think it shows that there's uh, belief in this team, and the ruthlessness that was missing has definitely um, taken hold. And 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 there doesn't seem to be that uh, tendency to let their foot off the gas. And I mean. Again, it's so weird to talk about this game with today's game in context. Mm. But I, I'm i going to say that I'm not super worried where goals are going to come from with this team. That, you know, we don't have a, you know, a recognized striker. But I do feel confident in the fact that we have a lot in the attacking band that are going to score. And then our set piece game, especially in the Premier League, is is 
one of the best. And you know, we had we're getting goals from from our two wingers. We're getting goals from that kind of midfield band, and we're getting even goals from our defenders. And it's uh, like across these previous from today five games it is goals coming from everywhere and even our striker is getting involved our nominal striker gets involved in these goals so it is when we're i i'm having a hard time separating today's game from this because i feels like it it sounds weird to say the these things coming from a game where we didn't score a goal but i i do feel confident that the goals are in us you know, yeah, I'm trying to hold back that conversation as long as I can. So, what, what let's just let's just talk quickly about the goals that happened in the Burnley game, and then we'll we'll, we'll talk about the Champions League match because I think that's mm-hmm. um kind of more the forefront of our our mind right now. But um, you know, I got to give credit where it's due. Odegaard, fantastic <laughs> goal to open the game. I think getting a, a an early goal definitely has uh, set the tone. And I think it's a crime that Martinelli did not get a an assist out of that. I, I still can't see where the deflection came off a uh, Burnley player, but um, apparently there was some some sort of <laughs> something <laughs> that happened. Um, but yeah, Odegaard low and hard in the bottom corner from the top of the box where you expect him to be at his best. And uh, yeah, he he just makes these things. He makes so many things just look easy. Like it, it's almost expected, but he's uh that is not an easy, easy strike. It's on the bounce. Um, good, good on him to get things, get things going in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, a beautiful goal five minutes in, and it, it really does set the tone. And for a game like this, where the longer a game against Burnley state Burnley stays nil, nil, the more nervous you get, the more chance it feels like it stays nil-nil. But if you can just get that goal early, it destroys Burnley's plan because Burnley's plan is to come there, disrupt the game, and and uh, make it awkward. And when you when you get that goal, then they have to get on the front foot. They have to search for that for that goal, and that opens up space. And I felt like throughout this game, there was just open space, and you know Arsenal punished. Mm-hmm. Burnley for the most part yeah I mean for the the rest of the first half really I thought it was you know despite Arsenal having a lot of the control uh we weren't getting um weren't getting the breakthroughs that we maybe were expecting in that first half but uh you know Trissard getting getting into a dangerous area um pushing pushing the de- the Burnley defense to their limits and uh Getting getting a penalty, which um, Saka always is ready to go. I, this was great mm-hmm. uh, from Odegaard to be a good shield, good captain, and uh, kind of hold the ball until the last minute and then hand it off. Love to see that uh, a yeah. little bit of protection. Uh, not <laughs> you know, keeper uh, picked correctly, <laughs> yeah, but kind of half just did a, a half save you know like he didn't quite put him put himself fully into it and and i think uh you know maybe a uh more conv- more convicted keeper would, yeah would be a, a, a little bit closer to stopping this but Saka did just put it right out of reach but i thought i thought it was funny that he was kind of he kind of half 
half-assed his way through that that, <laughs> st- that uh, penalty. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a penalty that you you look at, and I think I would say that's a 50-50 penalty that like five times out of 10, the keeper saves that penalty. You could see which way he was going. The mm. keeper guessed right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean, it was placed perfectly. Like it is in the corner. It's on target. You're going to score a lot of those penalties if you just place it there, no matter what happens. But, you know, it went in and it counted and uh, you just can't can't complain about it. No. And another another tally for Saka, who I think the more more um, penalties he can take, the more he can put any um, any of the unfortunate history behind him. I just feel like we're, yeah. we're we should be past it. But that narrative is, is going to live on for a little bit longer. I mean, it's the joy of like club football versus national team football, which is like, sorry for, because I know several listeners are English national team fans, but I, I'm personally not. So I don't really care what he does for the national team for the, for Arsenal. He's a solid penalty taker and I, I'm grateful for that. For sure. And then really he continues his, his run of form and, and comes back right back in the second half. I mean, this was. Um, this is a Saka special. I mean, between yeah. the penalty and this this goal, this is a, just showing exactly why he's been so consistent and deadly. I mean, this shot, we've seen him score this one before, and it's it's tough. I don't know how he does this because it's basically in the keeper's face. He just like mm-hmm. <laughs> gives him no time to to react and um, hitting that underside of the net. It, it's it's a beauty. I, I I love when he's able to work those tight angles and, um, really, it's like you ex- you kind of are your your expectation as a defender is that he's going to try to cut in and score mm-hmm. on his left hand side, making that that usual run that we see him do so regularly. But defender pushes him out right. He's like, okay, well, I've got a right foot too. <laughs> And <laughs> and uh, make some pay for it. So I, I think you can't underestimate Saka. You can't really stop Saka at, at points. He he is one of those players that will find a way to punish you. Yeah, and I mean, you see the position. And again, if you we talk about this of Saka goals, they all kind of like fit into a same kind of mold. But this is just you know a slightly a slightly different tweak on the same thing where you know. Maybe the defender knows what Sokka traditionally does, and so he pushes him onto his other foot, and he Sokka's able to uh, score from that side too. So, yeah, and, I mean, it's nice to see the versatility. Nice to see that uh, no matter where he's coming in from that uh, right side, he's going to be a, a danger. Yeah, I think. Every team knows that you can't give him much space, but this just proves he doesn't need a lot. He's 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 got he's got tricks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the game's well in control at this point. Um, three goals up, and really we're 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 coasting at this point. Um, and and uh, getting trying to get everybody involved it you know it's just a matter of time i think and, and uh this you know it 
nothing was um you know Troussard had the the earlier the the penalty that he earned but i think you know he wants to score goals he's he <laughs> wants to get his chances and he's just got such a great curl on his ball uh when he gets the space um i i just love watching his shot it's just he's just got such a nice swing through and and finds a way to curl it into that side netting and um it's kind of lucky that the ball ba- bounced his way in the in the space that it did but Burnley really just didn't have any answers. I mean, Arsenal just kind of got five, six guys in the box, and as the ball is just bouncing around, Trissard just does what he does best. And uh, great to see him getting involved. And he's so, so consistent on making the most of the time that he has on the field. I, he's got one of the, he's one of the most efficient Arsenal players ever um, as far as his time to goal ratio. He He's, I think he was up there with like, on Ryan Van Persie or something ridiculous like that, <laughs> um, where he just the amount of time that he he spends on the field, he he tends to score like uh, every other game or some some ridiculous stat. But he's he has uh, proven to be worth every penny we paid for him. And uh, when you consider that uh, the other option was Mudrik, I think we got the the better deal oh. here. I mean, I can't even tell you how much happier I am with uh, Trissard over Mudrik. And I find it really interesting with Arsenal that we're kind of doing this like strong left and then try and punching it out with the right that we just run everything through that left side that uh, Trissard side where Martinelli is, that's where a majority of our thrusts come and then we push it off to the right and have Sokka as almost like a a jab Mm -hmm. type of thing. And And it doesn't like it not that it doesn't matter, but like whether you have Havertz in that position or you have Trissard in that position or Jesus or whoever is kind of filling that uh space just above the box on the left hand side. That's where we're we get a lot of goals. I think even Bryce is scoring from that side pre- predominantly. And it, there's obviously a space that we're able to create with that. And it's 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 great that we're seeing a lot of interchanging pieces in that spot that are just being able to score. And, you know, just is the most efficient, as you said about it. Yeah. And it's, it is when you have so many dangerous pieces, it keeps the defense honest. Like they have to go out and, and try to track all these players. And if you give them the time and the space, somebody across the field is going to punish you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the ball's pinging around the box as it was, it kind of almost doesn't matter where it lands. Um, you have a lot of capable guys who can who can make that uh, make that play. Um, last but certainly not least, the final goal in this game was from um, one of the guys that we probably need to see a little bit more of. Um, Havertz has been. A, a very effective player in terms of his uh, off the ball work, his ability to disrupt play, uh, to create things for other players. But we haven't seen him become um, a prolific goal scorer quite yet. I think he's still finding his mm-hmm. footing on that end of things. But this was a great showing from him to find the space to get around a defender and slot home in in a tidy fashion i mean we've seen him kind of um 
fumble these sort of situations. But this was a, a really clean look and, and he took full advantage of it. Well, I mean, and with Havertz, and I know I'm I, I maybe a Havertz fanboy at this point, but I, I was talking to Alex, friend of the podcast, Alex, earlier about Havertz, and it's his time at Chelsea did Havertz such a disservice mm. in that everyone was thinking that he's a striker, he's a goal scorer, that's what he's supposed to be doing. But when Havertz is playing this type of role that he played specifically in this game, and we'll get to the next game later, but uh, mm-hmm. when he's playing in this type of role in this type of game, this is where you get peak Havertz. And he's not a out-and-out striker, but he just gets into all these positions and makes the 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 runs, the passes, and he's a a withdrawn midfielder. He he's a player that almost doesn't you have to build a system around Havertz or not build the system necessarily, but you have to take him into to to mind. And he's not necessarily a player that fits into every team. Mm-hmm. He kind of exists as not a out and out striker, but not a cam. He's somewhere in between a cam and a, a striker, mm-hmm. if that makes sense at all. I don't know. But uh, so in this game, he was able to to occupy that space and did it wonderfully. And, you know, he got his goal as a result of of how he plays. Yeah, I think he because he's not necessarily pegged into one one type or one position he he works well in a fluid system he can pop mm-hmm. up where needed he can look through the spaces he can um work both sides of the ball and this is a great um a a great showcase of his uh his intelligence to um kind of be be ready for that uh that play because he he's he's kind of drifting along on the uh sideline there and it's it's off a throw in i mean he mm-hmm. he just he finds the space in behind the defense he r- makes a great run to stay on side and there there was no nobody that could stop him and um he's a big body and you expect him to score in in, in different ways but i think this is when he's able to get space and run at defenses uh, he looks really natural and i think that's one of his um, his areas that he can excel at, and if you can get him into those those open open runs, I think he he will find more goals like this. And I also think with Havertz that if we had an out and out striker, we would like him more. Hmm. If that, that, that like, I think he would come into these positions and create these difficult areas. And if you had a box in the box, very just like Holland type of player, he could pass that on and he'd be getting all of these assists and, and be so much more of an integral part of the team. I think where he falls apart is that he's just not a clinical finisher, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like not every player needs to be a clinical finisher. It's just, you need to be able to work around that sort of uh, deficiency. I think he pairs really well with Trissard when he's playing um, because mm. Trissard can kind of be that um, more efficient type, whereas um, Havertz can be a little bit more of a setup guy or somebody that can work 
work his magic off the ball and kind of create spaces for Trissard to work his way into. So uh, it, he's a nuanced player, we'll say that. Like there's things that he's going to do that don't necessarily get appreciated, but he's contributing in so many different ways that uh, you know you notice when when you don't have it. Yeah, and I think, and I just, I, I think he's a player that doesn't work in every system and mm. every game uh, build up. I think you have to, as I say, you don't build around him, but you have to be very aware of what you're getting with Havertz. And if you build a game plan where you have him in your your front of your mind, you're going to get a lot out of him. It's when you expecting to be something that he's not and doing things that he's not that you're going to be disappointed with him Mm -hmm. um anyway we we've been dancing around it we've been trying not to talk too much about it but we should get to the champions league match because that was the the game of today it's front of our mind um and i think we got to work out our demons on it (laughs) (laughs) was there a game today i forgot it's weird uh, it's weird to be back in Champions League. It's it's fun. I was I was enjoying it for ninety nine percent of this game. Um, I was enjoying it for about ninety three minutes of the game. <laughs> it's it's really evident to me just how different these games feel. The stakes mm-hmm. are certainly higher. You can feel every tackle, every um, every tactical shift, every change is is has more weight to it. And, uh, yeah, this game just from the beginning, even though I I think Arsenal came out and were fairly dominant in possession as you would expect, but the Porto were were not going to let them do much with that possession. So it was definitely a chess match. It was definitely a chess match. And I think, uh, Arteta's goal, just like looking at the game overall and it really became apparent within the first 15 minutes was that we wanted to go into that game if not looking for a draw not necessarily looking for a win mm. i think we 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 set up to hold possession to try and stifle the game and not be too adventurous i think you know the stats speak for themselves the fact that we didn't get a shot on target showed that we were really being careful with our, 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 our game plan. And I think for like, you know, I think to be fair or to be honest, I think uh, Arteta came in with the idea that if we come out of there with a draw, it's going to make the the game, the, the game at Arsenal easier. Mm-hmm. And for a majority of the game, that game plan worked and it was just, really something at the end <laughs> that kind of screwed the whole rest of the game plan. Yeah. I think, I think looking at the stats, it tells, it tells um, some telling truths here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you mentioned, zero, zero shots on target. Clearly that was a, a big issue for the day was not making good use of the ball when we were getting into the final third. Um, 22 fouls didn't yeah. really have a good, you know, despite the, the control that we did have. Um, 
some some poor passes, some poor mistakes, and really they they looked a little bit disorganized at times, which is uncharacteristic. Yeah. I mean, you bring up the fouls. We we had a yellow card within the second minute from Rice, and yeah. and uh, you know that doesn't set a great tone. It, it does shift how you play a little bit, and yeah, I mean, and as I say, as as much as I was saying about the tactics of trying to keep it. A, a close game. I also think this wasn't Arsenal's best game. I think there was something a little flat going into the game. I don't know if it's travel. I don't know if it's tiredness. I don't know if it's complacency, but we definitely felt flat the whole game. Yeah, I, I think we were trying to match the the level. Uh, there was, a, like I said, a theme I can't, I felt really was was the intensity. And the 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 chippiness and the fouls definitely disrupted quite a bit of what you know what you would it, it's what you would expect from a team that's coming up against Arsenal. There's a couple ways mm-hmm. to go about it, and um, you can try the low block, you can try to hit them on the counter, but I think the thing that we've seen really works is disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. Do not let Arsenal get into a rhythm. Do not let them pass the ball around for ages. And if you do give up the ball, or if you let them have the ball, you have to keep it in areas where they can't get good shots off. And I think um, despite the 10 corners, which could be dangerous, Porto did a good job of just making, making things hard. You know, even mm-hmm. even on the corners when it was very chaotic in the box, you know, Ben White and everybody on the team were doing everything they could to make things chaotic in there. But when it comes down, when it came down to the ball being in play, all that chaos didn't really matter because we weren't getting clean looks at goal and, and weren't making good connections and um, putting pressure on them. So, you know, despite all the things that we were doing that were normal to our um what has worked for us recently uh porto kind of just did enough you know they they bend they did the bend but no break sort of thing and Mm -hmm. and they held on long enough to um come away with something which is uh it was just it it was such a very european game like this is exactly what you expect it's it's what we've seen for years, for the last few years in Europa League, but it was ratcheted up a little bit. You know, this is the next level of that. And it, it is tough to go away from home and get a foothold and, and do what we've been doing to teams like Burnley. Like that, it, this the, the level is such a step up. The intensity is so different. I think it was just a bit of a shock to the system for this young Arsenal team. Yeah, and I think. Uh one of the things I would definitely keyed on was like Chassard, for example, like he had two shots that just, he skied mm-hmm. over the bar. And I think in a premier league setting, those shots are going to be on target. He's going to make the keeper work, but it's the intensity. It's, I don't know what it like. It's just, being in Europe that he, the the adrenaline or something just made him just sky those two shots over the bar. I mean, he just even looking at the, that first foul that got Rice's card, it's just, it was a, it was a straight pass. 
And that was kind mm-hmm. of indicative of how things were going. It was just like Sokka wasn't doing enough or wasn't able to do enough on his side. Odegaard had stray passes, wasn't looking that great. Havertz had some obvious stuff that was not coming off. Um, you could point to every single player and, and they each probably had two or three different um, different plays where normally you would expect them to be a lot tighter, a lot uh, cleaner with their, their passing. And it was like, we were just surviving. Yeah. And again, like, and you look at Martinelli and like something that was happening pre the uh, winter break was that Martinelli was just going into the, uh, going down his channel and hitting a dead end and, Mm -hmm. and running. And it, I feel like it has, that has changed the last five games, but this game kind of reverted to type. Like it does feel like this game was very similar to the games coming into the break. Those, uh, those couple of draws and losses that we got coming into the break that, uh, we were running out of ideas. People are kind of playing to type. Mm. Yeah. It's, it was like what I, I really was thinking this was going to be a draw. You know, I, I was, Mm -hmm. I, I was completely fine with that. Um, but I, I think my frustration in the second half of this game was that Porto made four subs and looked like they were ready to push on through the rest of the game and were going to put the pressure on. And I don't think we reacted well to that. I don't think we, I don't think Arteta did enough to change anything. And I, maybe that was just like to, he, he, like you said, just weather the storm and get through this and come home with a, uh, the advantage of, of home field. And maybe that was part of it. But I think even if that is your goal, we needed fresh legs. We needed fresh ideas. We needed, even if you were just going to go defensive, like we just needed more. And I think that the lack of, of depth on the bench maybe was, was part of that, but, um, it just, I, having only Jorginho come in felt like it wasn't, it didn't feel like we were really going for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I was actually fairly excited for Jorginho to come in because mm-hmm. I think this is Jorginho's type of game. Mm-hmm. But right when he came in, he made a couple really bad passes, some, you know, backward passes that weren't working for him. And, you know, I always think of Jorginho as like, he might not be the most creative going forward, but he's a safe pair of hands that he's going to make the smart pass. And mm-hmm. I think his first three passes were... Uh, errant passes that didn't connect through. There was just something not quite working. But even before for that, you, you the warning signs were there. Like there was a point. The uh, I think it was around the twenty fifth minute. The double shot that Porto had that I totally thought that they had scored, where they hit the bar and <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, hit uh, like just just wide of the net that it was there in writ letters. And I think, I think we tried to play this game too safe and we just got punished for trying to play the game too safe. Yeah. And you know, the goal that happened, it happened in the what 93rd minute. It was a beautiful goal there. You could blame a little bit for Rhea. You could blame a little bit for rice for not coming up, but really it was just a beautiful shot. If you play the game that Arsenal played, 
that's an option of what can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm not really blaming Rhea. I'm not blaming Rice for it. It was just a beautiful shot. But if you keep the team, uh, another team in the game at nil nil, that is what can happen, and you will you will get punished for it. And that's what happened. Yeah, I think when you're looking at Champions League, it is the finest of margins. You know, you're 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 talking about um every team being quality. Uh, you know, Porto I think was a, a good draw for us to kind of ramp things up. Mm-hmm. But I th- I hope that this te- that this young team learns the right lessons. Um, doesn't come away from it too discouraged because I think most of what they did was okay, was, was good enough to come home with a draw. Um, but you got to get tighter on a player at the end of the game. And Mm. I I do think that tired legs and tired brains were part of that. I think Arteta didn't do the team, um, a good service by not putting fresh legs because Despite them staying in it, they were working hard to stay in it. Yeah. So I think that there was a miscalculation by not seeing how um, how much effort they were putting in, and, and that there needed to be some some new some new new players coming in. And uh, like I said, maybe it, maybe it was who was on the bench. I, I I was thinking about like you know based on the cards, you know I think. Uh, you look at replacing Rice or Havertz or whoever, you know, there isn't a, a good like for like. I mean, you had Vieira, you have Smithrow, but the the level of this game, I was like, I don't know if they're up for it. You know, you got Vieira coming in off, off of an injury. You got Smithrow who hasn't seen a lot of game time. I don't know if they would be able to come in and hit the ground running and be able to keep up with where this game was at. It, I didn't love the bench. it is what it is at this point but yeah i like what there were four or five academy players on that bench and probably out of necessity i mean based on who we have available it's like there's party is close but not ready yet um i don't know you know tommy asu is uh in the same sort of situation where he seems to disappear in, <laughs> into mm-hmm. the injury in, in situation and, and we don't know what's going on with him. But yeah, we could have used some of these these guys to really get some control back into the game. I mean, it's just like, and again, like it is what it is and it is where we are, but I think it it, it is a very good sh- snapshot of where we are as Arsenal that that's not a Champions League winning bench. That's not mm. like our starting 11 is a Champions League winning starting 11, like not to be too <laughs> grandiose about it, but those players are all, you know, very capable players in the starting 11. But when you go back to that bench, I mean, you compare it to some of these other teams that are in the Champions League and there's a lot of holes there and there's a lot of, uh room for improvement you know yeah i think it gives me hope though that if we're able to get some of these guys back for the second leg and being at home i i'm 
I don't want to be overly confident, but I do feel like we can come back from a goal down, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that, that doesn't make me too nervous. Um, there was nothing that Porto did today that we should be worried about in a, in a home field setting. It's not tie over by any mean. It's not like it, it like to put it in perspective, you know, the difference between no, no and one, no, isn't the, the, the hugest difference. And I, I do think Arsenal as shown by the last five games has a few goals on them. As I was talking about earlier, like we we're going to score goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it does like that. The, the difference is that, uh, we're going to be facing a porter that's going to be parking the bench and we're going to have to pick that uh, defense apart. And that's going to be a very nervous tight game. But uh, my question to you, do you think if Jesus was healthy, would that be game be different? Do you think that's a game for J- Jesus? Well, I was thinking that, you know, even if he is coming off the bench or he's starting, you you either have him or you have Trissard and that can, either one of those players can change a game. And we just didn't have that option to mm-hmm. bring somebody in that could change the game. Um, that, that was the frustrating part. And I, I think um, had, had we gotten some of these, these players available, it would be a very different story. Um, so I'm hopeful that we will have a much stronger looking team in three weeks and that will be ready to hit the ground running with Jesus available with uh, party available and Tommy Asu, you know, we've got apparently uh, uh, Timber is registered for champions league games. I don't know if we'll see him at any point, but uh, you know, we, we have the depth to make a run in this thing. We just have to get past this next game. And I think that's um, only going to be possible if we have those options available. I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Timber and I am a big KVR fanboy as well. Like talking about mm-hmm. players, but I don't think he's, his strengths are highlighted in the role he played today. Mm-hmm. Not that he did anything wrong or anything, but if I, I think you've had a Timber, who can be a little bit more forward thinking that game does change as well. Mm -hmm. You can push like we're talking about that strong left side and he would push up a little bit further. So it'd be, it would, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you can't put all your hopes on it because even if Timber comes back, he's going to need a couple games to get up to speed. And, you know, he's also getting up to speed with champions league and, and premier league. Like, it's going to be difficult, but I think a timber skill set in that area where KVR was, would be a better, better fit for what we were trying to do. Even having a Zinchenko available. I mean, we're, we're just, there's so many key pieces that are, are missing and we've been able to overlook them because we've been fairly dominant in our, um, in our premier league run here. But, um, when you start looking at all the key cogs that are not available to us, whether they were starting or not, these are each individual players that can give you tactical options that can change games. Um, and players that have Champions League experience, you know, with 
Jesus and Zinchenko, even um, I believe Timber had had uh, experience with that at Ajax, and so it's like the the fortitude of these players to come in and and play at that level, I think, is um, really important, and it would just add to the confidence when you know that you have some um, some of that experience just just there, just to to be around the team and say, Hey, we got this, you know, we'll come out in the second half and we can, we can get a goal. We can, um, I, I think it, it's important that we, a continue to push on in premier league. We have to continue to continue to stay relevant. I mean, that's, uh, we, we can talk about what, what, what's coming up with that, um, competition, but, um, Champions League is just different. It, it's mm-hmm. not. It is not the Premier League. So there, there has to be some calibration. And I think this was a good uh, reminder to this team that you know you can go win five five nil against Burnley, but you still got levels to go up. Like there's places to go, and there's things to learn, and there's um, it's it's gonna happen only through experience. And the, the, we we have guys that have that experience already, but the team that we were, that we had out there today, not maybe not quite where they we, they needed to be. And so hopefully they can learn from that. Hopefully we can tap into what we have available to us, and it will um, be a growing experience for a team that is looking great at times, but still has a lot to learn. Yeah, and and. This is where, like, I my preseason prediction about Champions League is getting through the group stage, where I would be happy with, and it, it does come down as you say. Champions League is different, and Champions League is very different from Europa League as well. Mm-hmm. And so, this is where we need to have like a couple consistent runs in the Champions League to get that experience, and and. This is where, like, these players and, like, you know, Saka, Martinelli, this is where they get that experience. And it it will build us for future runs in the Champions League looking forward. And I hope, you know, they learn this lesson and hopefully we can get through the tie. But even if we don't go get through this tie, hopefully they, they learn the lesson of the, <laughs> the Champions League. And, you know, it looks like we're going to be in the Champions League next year and hopefully we can push forward and it's like, you know, waves on the beach and as as you learn, you're going to get further and further. You know, it took City so many years to get that way to, to the pinnacle and, it you know, certain teams aren't learning those lessons like PSG, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. We, we, these are the, these, these are where you learn the lessons. And it's hard, it's hard to be a good enough team to compete on both fronts. Like it, you know, you have to find a way to win every weekend and then also turn it around and get your game level up during the middle of the week as well. And so this is, this is not something that, um, you know, with, even with the group stage, uh, that was, that was not at the level that the round of 16 is. It, it, mm-hmm. it definitely went up a notch. So I'm, I'm hoping this is a wake-up call for the, these players that it's not going to be an easy, easy thing by any means, no, despite how well they did previously. 
Yeah. And, you know, it only gets harder from here. Like once mm-hmm. we, uh, uh, it, you know, if we, if we do advance from this tie, which we're behind the eight ball on this, it's, you know, you're going to come across like this is where like you're going to be hitting the Bayerns, Barca's, whoever of the world. So we need to really learn these lessons. And like, I am, I am confident that we can score a couple goals. I, I think we can score at least a goal <laughs> at yes. home. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not the end of the world. Like, I don't think, as I said, I don't, this isn't tie over. This isn't panic stations. But we need to really realize, grasp this game and realize that this isn't the Premier League. This is a, a different level of, comp- not even a level, but like a different style of competition to what mm-hmm. we're used to. Yeah, certainly they they have they have to adjust, and luckily we have three weeks to kind of figure that out. And I think mm-hmm. Arteta will will definitely have some more weapons at his disposal, and will will take away some some lessons from this himself. So I'm I'm hopeful that we can figure figure out what didn't work and and make those adjustments. Um. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about from this game? No, other than I, I do want to say it's not the end of the world. Like uh, the difference between one nil down and zero zero isn't huge, and I'm 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 looking forward to the next game. It's going to be a cracker, and we just need to score a goal. Yeah. Um. Okay, we've got a big match. Um, this weekend uh, again. Um, interesting start time. New noon. I don't know. I haven't seen a game that late on the weekend and maybe ever. <laughs> it, it happens every I, I'm I'm conscious of it because I do the scheduling for the uh, yeah. soccer at the bar. There's generally a noon game on the weekend somewhere around the Premier League. Uh, it's rare it that it, Arsenal gets that slot for some reason. Yeah, it is rare. But uh, and it makes it weird with the uh, Sounders game at 1.30 as far as uh, hmm. what's going on at the bar. Interesting. For me, but... Uh, that's a, a me problem, but uh. <laughs> yeah, but this Newcastle has some weight to it simply because the last game was so controversial. I'm ready for revenge. <laughs> I am as well. This, this home match will be um, hopefully a continuation of the run of form that we've had in the Premier League and an opportunity to put this Champions League match behind us and, and continue the um, the push in the Premier League. I mean, that's at this point we can't we can't drop any points it's it's gonna if we're gonna stay in the race with uh liverpool and and uh city it's tight you know we're a point behind man city right now having um both played 25 games so far um uh that goal differential has been a big boost for us you know sitting on uh, 36 to city's 32 but you know, Liverpool's not slowing down. They're at a no. plus plus thirty eight and sixty points at the top of the table right now. Uh, to you know, they have we have a game in hand at the moment. So you know, to to stay in the stay in the pace here, we have to get get up to that fifty eight to uh, fifty eight points and two point difference. You know, that's um that's what's going to require. It's going to require a win every week and hoping that that they slip up somehow. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm looking at this uh, Newcastle game is it's where we have to concentrate. We we at this point of the season, we just can't worry about the other teams. They're mm. going to do what they do. We just have to concentrate on what we're doing. Uh, Newcastle has not had the greatest of form coming into this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I feel, especially being at home, we can do a step better than our last game. And I think uh, we have the tools and the weapons that we can, we can, we can win this game. And this is one of the harder fixtures we have left. You know, you have, uh, you know, Tottenham and City and this game that are really sticking out as the games that are, are, are going to be our way to the final. And we just, yeah, we just have to win this game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see the knock-on effect of this Champions League game, what it does for what we do against Newcastle, mm-hmm. whether it really puts our tails up if we're just having a, an eye on the neck, the return fixture for this game and it becomes dangerous then that we don't, we don't play to our potential. But if, if we're, if we're playing to where we should play, be playing, uh, we should handle this game. I, I think so as well, especially if you can kind of compartmentalize that mentally and say, okay, champions league is this other thing, but we're, doing premier league and in the premier league we are five for five this this year and have been dominant that's where we have to pick up not don't you don't pick up where you left off the last game you pick up where you left off in the premier league and i think that's that's the run of form we have to try to tap back into yeah and and when you're looking at the you know the other teams around us in the top of the table liverpool have a injury list that is something we're familiar with from last year. Like their, their injury list is crazy and watching a city there, they, even though they're getting the results, they look vulnerable. So there are going to be some drop. I I feel like there's going to be some dropped points on the other teams and we just have to take advantage of those drop points. And we're at the part of the season where we just can't lose. We just need to, 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 to go on. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. This will be an interesting game. And um, uh, Newcastle certainly is not a team we can uh, sleep on. You know, they're they're a challenge and uh, we will hopefully rise to that. And I think having a home match will be a a good thing for um, kind of getting the crowd behind this team again. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be interested to see the way we set up for this game Mm. i have a feeling that Jorginho may start i think we we might want to do is be a more controlling part of that and a more like tough center midfield and i think uh we'll kind of have the usual suspects i think obviously like marnelli and uh saka up on the wings i'm i'm very interested to see who's going to take that you know, sender striker role, whether we do Havertz, I don't know if it's Havertz type of game. And uh, I think maybe a Trissard would be better starting up top, but I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how we set up for this game. 
And we still, you know, we have some of those pieces that are kind of um, close, but, you know, don't really have a good idea of where where everybody is at. So we could see a party. We could see a Zinchenko. We could see a Vieira. Like, these are players that are kind of um, potentially ready to come back soon-ish. So um, maybe potentially off the bench for a couple of those players. But uh, getting getting some of those pieces back will be really important to our run. I mean, I, I I think this is a game where I'd love to see Jesus hmm. up top. I think that, like the the way he plays, I, I think works really well against that. I don't like when I last checked on his injury report, it was like day to day. So I don't know if he's going to be uh, available, but it it would be a game for him. Yeah, agreed. Um just if we can get any any of these players uh, involved would be a boost. So I'm hopeful we see some some uh, signs of life from those those guys that have been away for a while. Uh, all right, we have one question this week, um, and it's a it, it's circling back on the premier uh, the Champions League. Uh, SLMI on the Discord says, do we rest starters against Brentford and risk a, lo- a Premier League loss for leg two, or do we prioritize the Premier League and hope if anyone needs a rest for leg two, it'll be enough? Or how would you find a balance if you're Arteta? My initial reaction is, I think, the way we are and how this this is set up, winning the Champions League is an outside shot. Hmm. I don't I think our starting eleven is as good as anyone else's starting eleven, but like if you're looking at balancing, I would focus on the league and and go from there. That and but that being said, I know Arteta's view is that it's why not both? Mm-hmm. That I think, you know, he thinks that these players can play in both these games. I'd prefer not to see a rotated game team for this uh, Newcastle game. Personally, I think we focus on the league, and then we uh, we have the talent. Even if we have to rotate for the Champions League, I feel I, again. I feel like we have a goal in us, and our defense. I'm not worried about our defense. I don't think we're going to give up two goals at home. So I feel like we concentrate on this Premier League game and worry about the Champions League when it comes and we'll be a good setup for it. Yeah. Uh when it comes to prioritizing one over the other, I think it, it is it like you said, it's about winning everything. And I don't think Arteta is going to back away from that idea that we can and should try to play everybody at the all the time. You know, it's not. Um, we should not need to rest these these top tier players. And and maybe you see rotation tactically, but as far as rest, I don't know that that Arteta necessarily believes that that it will will be necessary. And and that's kind of something he is said about Saka and, and some of these other guys, it's like you got you got to go out and play the top level every three days. So mm-hmm. there's there's no excuse to not being able to do that if you're going to be one of the best players in the world. So I, I don't I don't see him um, prioritizing any any 
any games, I think he's going to play his best team that he has available. And, and, and that's, that's just how he's going to do it. And, and the only reason he would maybe rest a player is if there was an injury concern, but that's short of that. I think it's, it's, it's going to be the best he has available every, every game. So I don't, I don't see him doing any weird tactical changes to, um, you know, even, even if it is against a team like, uh, um, Brentford, I think you, you still, you still need to go out and get three points in the premier league every week. If you're going to keep pace and you go out and try to, you try to, you try to win the game at home. I mean, it, it, uh, in the sec in the second leg. So I, the, the balance is maybe the subs, but I think your starting 11 looks pretty much the same either way. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if not the same starting 11, maybe one to two changes. Like you're looking at that Havertz, Chassard, Jorginho kind of midfieldy players that might switch around or, mm-hmm. or, or have starting. I would say, I mean, KVR is obviously a place where you'd look at it and go like somebody could come in for that, but you know, due to the injuries, I don't know if there's a lot you could, you could uh, put in there. So. Right. I, you know, I think the general estimate for, um, for timber was March. I don't think yeah. he's going to be ready for this, le- for the second leg, but you know, maybe you try to get him some minutes against Brentford to leave, leave some space for Zinchenko or Kivior to come in, um, in the champions league. I'm I'm curious where Kivior lands in the pecking order once once there's a couple other options available in that left back position. Well, I mean, Kivior, I, I do he's not even that. a left back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is like I, he's Kivior is depth for center back, and he is deputizing for left back. So yeah, yeah. I think you you want to kind of keep him in reserves for in case you have a center back go down. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to have a tired or injured um, depth piece there, but. I'd be really glad to get Tommy Asu back since he's so versatile across that back line as well. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think we're going to like getting back to SMLI's question. It's, it's going to be similar to not the same. I don't think you're going to see Enkedi is starting or Smith right. starting or anything like that. I don't think there's going to be anything crazy to the Newcastle game. Yeah. I mean, the second you start playing, playing down to a team is when you slip up. And I just don't think Brentford's the team you want to leave the door open for. Even if they are at 14th at the moment, I think we, we, we can't underestimate anybody in the Premier League, especially since everybody's going to play their best trying to beat a top, top tier team. Yeah. Okay. Well that, that is really it for this week. Um, I don't know if I feel much better about the yeah. champions league but i feel like i had to talk about it so i'm glad we did and before we close i do want to throw a personal plug for me mm-hmm. out there and this is fairly important so april 27th is the north london derby mm-hmm. uh we had a bunch of tottenham fans at my bar wanting uh-huh. us to open early which i'm always going to open early for the game but i would prefer not to be outnumbered at my own home bar. So if anyone can make it April 27th 
to the game up here in Bellingham as an Arsenal fan, I would generally really, really appreciate it. Okay, the call is out. We've lit the bat signal. I've 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 lit the bat signal because I do not want to be the bartender that's an Arsenal fan at as there's a bunch of Tottenham fans around me. I really would appreciate some help. I, you know, just throwing it out there. It's an early Saturday morning, but yeah, y'all we're going to be opening early for it. So I think, I think it's possible that we, we can get a couple people, extra people out there. So mark your calendars. Yes, please do. I mean, if you guys want to please to say, I will literally put you up because I just do not want to be outnumbered at the bar. <laughs> so, Okay. Okay. Um, that sounds like a good, a good plan. You got some time to get your accommodations figured out for Bellingham. So, um, all right, well, let's, let's call it there. Thank you all for listening this week and, uh, review and subscribe wherever you're picking up the podcast, check out our show notes for all the things uh, that we are at online, including emails, Twitters, et cetera, et cetera. Check out the Discord link there and join us for Game Day Chats. And that is all for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show.